Good morning. I'm honored to be here with you all. Uh, for those of you who uh, may be wondering um, what happened to our pastor, he's away this morning. Um, my name is Nick Swarthout, and I am the director of student ministries here at Southside Baptist Church. And I'm privileged to be able just to come and share a little bit of, uh, of our heart and our ministry here at Southside Baptist Church with you. Um, for those of you who have been a member at Southside for a while or have been with us for at least the past six months or so, you know that towards the end of last year, our theme in our next-gen ministries from preschool all the way up through high school is, is to make room. We're encouraging parents and grandparents and uh, all adults, really, um, because everyone has little ones that look up to them. Um, we're encouraging you to make room uh, for your kids um, that was our that was our theme as we wrapped up 2014, and you know I'm I, I can't believe it. Um, 2015 is here, so here we are. Um, and as we embark on this uh, on this new year, um, this next trimester of uh, 2015, the theme you're going to be hearing a lot about is called get personal. Now that you've made room with your kids. I want you to get personal with them. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that this morning. Um, what's interesting is as I was making room and making, you know, making time for, for my family over, uh, you know, over the holidays and, and just, um, you know, really, many of you know in March, um, I had, my wife and I had our first son. And, and uh, so I've been really getting to know him a lot more. He's started crawling and, you know, he's got teeth coming in and, He's just really starting to develop a personality, you know, all his own. Um, and, and so one thing that, you know, that I've noticed as I've spent more time with him and, and more time with my daughter and more time with my family um, is I feel like my kids are, are always watching me, you know, and especially with Stephen because he doesn't have any inhibition. Stephen's my son. You know, he doesn't hold anything back, you know, when, when he... When he sees something, when he sees me doing something, like he wants to, you know, to the best of his ability to do that as well. Now, he's only 10 months old, so he's very limited in what he can do. Um, but for instance, you know, Stephen, when he sees me drink coffee in the morning, he wants to drink out of that cup too. He wants his coffee, you know? And so I've gotten to the point now where I have to pour him a cup of coffee as well. Now, you know, before, before you, you know, call the uh, Child Protective Services, I don't really give my 10-month-old coffee. Um, but I do have to get a mug that's identical to mine, and I do fill it with water, and I do let him sip the water while I'm sipping my coffee, and he gets wise, you know, he realizes we're drinking from two different mugs, and so I'll have to pretend like I drink some of his water so that he's, you know, content, and he sees me drink his water, and so he wants that cup, you know, and um, so it's, it's very interesting to see the things that he picks up on. He loves when we get to sit at the computer together, he goes like face first into the keyboard, you know, and wants to mash all the buttons. Um, anytime I'm on the phone, he wants to grab the phone and stick it in his mouth. You know, he thinks that, you know, it's just like a little toy. Um, and, and so I've noticed that Stephen really is, is observant. What's interesting is I was talking to Anne during our fellowship time, and, and she told me, she said, your little boy is doing great. He's in the nursery. And she said, he keeps watching that door for you, though. He is just watching out for you. So, I'm, you know, it's like, it's like he's, his eyes are always on me. You know, he knows what I'm doing. Um, what's another funny thing that he does is, uh, whenever I, whenever I wear a hat, um, he loves, he loves hats. He likes to chew on the bill of hats, actually. So I was at my father-in-law's house, um, the other day, and Stephen comes like, you know, he's crawling, so he's like full sprint crawl 
over to me, and I'm like, oh, he misses his daddy, so I pick him up, and I get him up to shoulder height, and he's like, gah, and he just sticks my hat in his mouth, you know, I'm like, oh, he didn't really want me, then he grabs the hat, pulls it off my head, and he's trying to push away from me and go back down, you know, he just wants back down on the floor, so, you know, whatever, it was a humbling experience for me that my son wants to use me for my hats, but that's okay. You know, what's funny is, is that he doesn't just watch me, he watches other people as well. I had taken, uh, I had taken him and Hannah to a bookstore the other day, and this guy, Walked into the bookstore wearing a hat. And I've got Stephen. I'm holding Stephen right here in front of me. You know, he's facing out. And this guy walks in, and the first thing, Steve, the first thing that this guy hears, like within seconds of walking through the door, is my son going, ah, you know, reaching for this guy's hat. I had to apologize to him. I said, I, I promise you, my son's not worshiping you. He just really likes hats, you know. So it was, uh, it was quite a comical experience. Um, the same thing happened at, at Starbucks, very similar those of you who may not be aware, my son does this thing called the baby dance. He, he learned that from me, too. You know, um, you know, I've got some moves, and so he's picked up on him. He jiggles his little hips and kind of bounces up and down. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time. It's, it's pretty cute. Um, we were in Starbucks the other day, and there's a gentleman sitting next to us wearing a hat, reading a book, drinking his coffee, minding his own business. And sure enough, my son is sitting in my lap, and he wants this guy's attention, you know, because he wants this guy's hat, really, is what he wants. So he's eyeballing this guy as he's reading his book, and I'm like, you know, I know the guy has to be feeling a little uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, and the guy isn't paying attention to Stephen. He's focused on his book, so Stephen wants to get his attention. So, of course, you know, how does he get his attention? He starts doing his little baby dance, you know, for this guy, and like making motion. So finally the guy looks over to see why this baby's like, you know, going into convulsions on my lap. And, um, and as soon as the guy looks at Stephen, Stephen, you know, does, does the hat thing again. Ah, you know, so I had to let him know too. You know, my son, he just really loves hats. I apologize. Um, one person that, that he was really fond of looking at from a distance, it was Christmas time. And we were in line. I took my kids to the Avenues Mall and uh, I took them to see Santa. And, you know, I thought that, you know, sure enough, he's going to love Santa. You know, all the bright colors and you know, he's just jolly old St. Nick. So we dressed him up like a Christmas elf and took him to the mall. And, you know, he liked watching Santa from a distance. He was fine. But let me tell you, as soon as he got up close and personal with Santa Claus, he went from North Pole elf to South Pole elf in about three-tenths of a second. <laughs> this is... <laughs> this is my sweet little man freaking out because... Daddy left him with some strange old guy in a funky outfit. So. <laughs> yeah, it was good times. My son likes to watch people. He likes hats. He likes watching people with hats, and he likes watching Santa from a distance, just not up close and personal. You know, one thing that I realized is, uh, you know, really he's not too much different than me. I like, I like to watch people, you know. I mean, I'm not near as open and flamboyant about it as he is, you know, but, you know, when I'm sitting at Starbucks, sometimes I'll just, you know, watch people go by. How many of you have been to Walmart and seen some interesting people? Anyone? I mean, that's, that's a great place to people watch. I mean, we, li- we like watching people. We do that, you know? Um, so, I mean, some of the, some of the best um, traffic jams are created just because we like to watch people. We like to kind of see what's going on. You know, you get into a traffic jam that's like an hour long and you think you're going to see like some awesome blood and guts and stuff and you get up there and it's just two cops and a road ranger and it's, you know, it's kind of disappointing. It's like I wanted to see something cool, you know. 
Um, so we like, we like watching people, and you know, the reality is that everyone else likes watching people. And you know, that's indicative to something that we ought to realize, is every one of us is really being watched. The things we say, the things we do, you know, even the things we think go unnoticed, they get noticed. You know, and what's scary is that, you know, this kind of applies a little more pressure to us because people watch what we do and watch what we say and, and then they start to adapt that to their own lives, especially for those of us who have kids or grandkids or little ones that are around us, you know, friends, relatives, neighbors. Um, you know, some of the older kids, you know, you've got younger kids that look up to you um, and they're watching you. They watch what you do. You know, and I think about people that, you know, who really have a lot of people watching them, you know, like, like Tim Tebow. I mean, can you imagine how many people are watching Tim Tebow? And you just know that the media is waiting for Tim Tebow to slip up so that they can pounce on him at any hint of, you know, going astray from his Christian morals and beliefs. Another, another group that sort of has a lot of eyes on him is the Duggars, you know, 18 kids. Like, I'm just doing my best trying not to mess up two. I can't imagine what it would be like to have 18 kids and to try to be, you know, helping them develop in, in their Christian walk. And the Bible has a lot to say about setting an example and about the fact that, you know, we're being watched. Um, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, he writes something that really kind of gets your attention. He says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Why would he say that? Why would he say not on tablets of stone? Is that kind of like, uh, is he like trying to diss Moses there or something? Like, you know, that... It doesn't make sense. So, you know, I was thinking about that, and I, I was reminded of the passage that um, we looked at a few months back when we talked about making room in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Moses is talking about, you know, how to leave a lasting impact on, on your kids. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be written on your heart, or shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I mean, this is, this is quite a hefty load here that Moses is tossing out to his people in order to get their kids to really adopt their faith. Um, you know, if we break it down and we look at it, he says these things should be taught, they should be spoken, they should be displayed, they should be written. And you'd think, you know, with those things, I mean, with, with these words out everywhere, you'd think that kids would really get a handle on it. You know, they'd really just start to own their faith. But if you think about it, I mean, that's really what, what they do in school when they're teaching them Algebra two. You know, and they're teaching them multiplication and long division and, you know, and they're teaching them grammar and proper punctuation. I mean, they teach those things. They speak about them. They display them. They write them. You know, they have the kids write them. 
You know, so you think that, well, you know, the kids would just fall in love with Algebra 2 because, of, you know, we keep putting it in their face. The reality is that Moses understood that besides for these things, all of that had to be done on the foundation of these things being on your heart. And look at verse 6. It says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, if we don't get that part, then the rest of it is really almost pointless. Because what God wants from his people is not just head knowledge about scripture, but he wants heart knowledge and heart transformation. He wants renewed lives. That's what God wants from his people. Moses understood this, and Paul understood this. They both understood the most important thing that can happen in the heart of a child is what happens in the heart of a parent. They got this. They realized that if they want their kids to get personal in their faith, they're going to have to get personal in their faith as well. They also realized that whatever it is that's on our heart is the story that we share with everyone we meet. And so this goes much broader. This reaches much more than just parents and grandparents. And this is for everyone. Every one of us encounters people every day and they're watching what we do. They're watching the way we act, hearing the things we say. And that's why Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, said that what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And so the question is, what's on your heart? What is it? Think about the things that you say on on a regular basis. Think about, you know, where you go, what you do, where you spend your money, where you spend your time. Because those are key indications of really what's on your heart. If we want our kids to grow spiritually, then they need to see us growing spiritually. If we want our grandparents to grow spiritually, or if we want our, ki- if we want our grandkids, pardon me, to grow spiritually, they need to see their grandparents growing in their walk and their faith. If we want friends and relatives, and neighbors, teammates to come to church and to take an interest in the Christian faith, and guess what? We're going to have to take an interest in our faith. And not just by sticking Jesus fish stickers on our car and, and uh, you know, hanging up scripture in our houses that say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Like, those are good, but is it on your heart? One thing we need to realize is that as we're demonstrating concern for our Christian walk, demonstrating concern for our own spiritual growth is that ultimately, it's up to God to bring about the spiritual growth. Because God's the only one that can really grow our faith. But that doesn't negate our responsibility to position ourselves for that growth. And so I want to talk about a few things here that come to mind when we talk about positioning ourselves for spiritual growth. The first one is spiritual disciplines. I had a student ask me the other night, um, Nick, how come you know, sometimes we are really on fire for God and we're reading our Bible a lot, and then how come, like, sometimes we just don't feel like reading, and sometimes we feel like we're in a slump, you know? How come sometimes we're really excited about our faith, and sometimes we're not? 
And I suggested to him, I said, well, perhaps it's because, you know, we don't explore more of the spiritual disciplines. You know, I think when we talk about spiritual disciplines, so often we, we think about uh, prayer and, and Bible study and reading, reading scripture, which those two are probably the most important two of all. Um, it's a known fact that reading scripture is the number one contributing factor to someone growing in their personal walk with Christ. Um, but that's not all God gave us in order to get to know him. You know, just like movies and dinner time aren't the only things that parents give their kids to get to know them, God has given us multiple avenues of getting up close and personal with him. We've got Bible study, prayer, and besides those two, we've got solitude, getting alone with God, giving, worship, fasting, journaling, service to others. These are all things that Jesus modeled in the scriptures as he trained his disciples. And these are all things that, that God has given to us, ways that God has given to us to get up close and personal with him and to get to know him. There's a book out um, called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by a guy named Donald Whitney. It's a great book. If you're interested in looking more into your spiritual disciplines and kind of mixing it up a little bit in your faith, I'd encourage you to check those out. The name of that book is Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. You see, God's given us all these different ways. You know, and so if your kids are like, you know, I've, you know, I've read my three chapters for today and I've been reading three chapters for the past 30 days and, you know, I'm just, I don't feel like reading my Bible now, you know, tell them to put some headphones in, turn some worship music on, just go for a walk. You know, think about how great God is. I mean, look up at the sky and just think about how awesome it is that God has given us a breath of life and that he's brought us into this right relationship with him through the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's fantastic. Our God deserves more than just the monotony of our ritualistic, you know, Bible reading and prayer. Our God deserves our wholehearted devotion to him, and he gives us ways to get to know him. And again, I want to be very clear and make sure you don't hear what I'm not saying, because Bible and prayer are hands down probably the two most important things you can be doing to strengthen your walk with Christ. But you can integrate those into other things. You can pray while you listen to worship music. You can read scripture and you can, and then get alone and just meditate on what you read and just sit in silence and, and just ponder on the words that God has given to you. God wants to get to know you. And he wants to get to know your kids. The next one is, is one that I think many of us struggle with is how, how can we add time? Rather than thinking about how do you add time to do all these things, think about how you can reclaim time. Because we've already got things automatically built into our schedules on a daily basis. You know, Instead of listening to the radio when we're driving around with our kids, we can turn the radio off and we can talk to our kids, you know, have a conversation with them. Instead of eating dinner around the television, you know, we can sit around the table, we can pray together and we can talk about our day. Instead of sending them to bed and saying goodnight, you know, and just letting them go to their rooms on their own, we can tuck them in. You know, tuck your kids in and pray with them before they go to sleep. And in the morning time, when, they're, when they get up and they're getting ready for school, you know, instead of just sending them on autopilot, you know, maybe you can give them some words of encouragement, you know, so they can start their day right. This other one's a, a really big one, I think, um, that that really is um, 
is neglected, and I think our divorce statistics support, support that, is keeping your marriage strong. Believe it or not, that too is going to play a big role in your spiritual walk and your spiritual growth. I mean, those, those of you who are married or planning to be married, you better believe that God is concerned about the holy matrimony between you and your spouse. So husbands, perhaps it's time that we, you know, turn the TV off and take our wives out on a date. Don't underestimate the value of date nights. But then wives, perhaps it's time that we just realize that the laundry is always going to be the laundry, and we need to let our husbands, you know, take you out on a date. You know, spend that time together. You have to let your kids see you prioritize your marriage. You have to let your grandkids see you prioritize your marriage. Kids need to know these things. And then lastly, this one's really close to my heart, is staying connected with other believers. You know, here at Southside Baptist Church, our discipleship process is gather, grow, go. And I think so many times we get tempted to just think we're going to gather, grow, and go all in just the worship service. There's a reason we have grow groups. There's a reason why Jesus was getting intimate and personal with his 12 closest disciples. It's because Christian community is essential to our Christian growth and spiritual formation. I think, I, I think we really underestimate the value of grow groups, of the Sunday school hour. And I said it in the other service, um, you know, I think if we've only got one hour that we can give God each week, make that the grow group hour. Whether it's another day of the week or if it's just on Sunday, if you can only give God one hour Sunday morning, you can get these messages online. But you can't get grow group time and Christian community online. It doesn't happen. And so don't, under, don't underestimate the value of keeping in close community with other believers. And we've got to make these things a priority in our lives. They have to be a priority. If they're not a priority in our lives, they will never be a priority in our kids' lives. Someone said this of, of people, and I think it, it applies directly to, um, to what we're talking about this morning regarding parents or grandparents. What they said is, great parents make time. Good parents find time. And mediocre parents don't have any time. My guess is that each one of us wants to do the best we can for the little ones that we love. And that's going to mean making time. If we want to lead our kids to follow Jesus, it demands that we get personal with our kids, and it demands that we get personal with our God. They need to see that happening. There's an old saying, you can never lead anyone farther than you're willing to go yourself. The same is true in parenting and grandparenting. The same is true in being a friend and being a relative, being a neighbor. If you're really concerned about the spiritual walk of someone else who looks to you, 
then you need to be concerned about your own spiritual walk. And so here's a few things to keep in mind. If you want your kids to prioritize church, newsflash, you're going to have to show up for church. If you want your kids to prioritize grow groups, you're going to have to go to your grow group. If you want your kids to respect leaders, then we need to make sure we check our attitudes. If we want our kids to work hard, then we need to be involved volunteers. We need to demonstrate the value of hard work. If we want our kids to pursue God, we've got to get alone with God. If we want our kids to be honest, then we need to be men and women who treat people with integrity. And lastly, and probably most importantly, if we want our kids to own their mistakes, how many of you would love to hear your kids or your grandkids own their mistakes? And say, and you know, how many of you have heard that it's not my fault or I can't help it, I didn't do it? Yeah. We're not alone in here. If we want our kids to own, our mis- own their mistakes, then we're going to have to admit our own. We're going to have to own our own mistakes and we're going to have to start over. The good news about the gospel is that we love and serve a God of second chances. We have a great God who knew that we were never going to live up to his holiness and his righteousness in our own sinful state. And so he sent Jesus Christ, his perfect son, to be that sacrifice on the cross so that he would shed his blood And by believing in Jesus, not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but three days later, the prophecy was fulfilled and he rose from the dead. And that's powerful. And God did that so that we could have a relationship with him. God did that so that your kids could have a relationship with him and your grandkids and your friends and your relatives. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The day's coming. And so I want to encourage you. Get personal with your kids. Get personal with your God. Because if we don't, there's a world out there waiting to get personal with them. Right now we're uh, we're going to go into a a moment of of invitation. I don't know if you've ever placed your faith in Christ. If not, I want to invite you to take that step of obedience and to just answer his call on your life. I know the Holy Spirit's moving in this place right now and he's speaking to each one of you in your own individual way. Perhaps, perhaps you haven't gotten personal with your kids or you haven't gotten personal with God and now it's time to start. I'm going to be down here. I'd love to pray with you. I had a couple of folks we got to pray with in the last service God's moving in this place this morning, and I just want to encourage you, you know, as we stand to sing, won't you come down here and allow me just to share with you how God loves you and wants to get personal with you. Would you, um, would you stand with me, and we'll pray together as we enter this time of invitation. Father, I thank you for the privilege that you've given to me just to speak to these people, Lord. We thank you so much that you're a God of second chances who loves us enough, Lord, to pick us up when we fall. I'm reminded of my son, Stephen, learning to walk behind his little walker. 
Lord, and sometimes he slips and falls, but I don't get mad at him. I just pick him up. Lord, we just try again. So Lord, once you pick us up this morning, give us this comfort and this peace, knowing that if we would just surrender our lives to you and, and just turn toward you, Lord, you would bless us. Your word says that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And God, we just ask that you would enter into our presence right now. Holy Spirit, won't you move? Have your will, in this, your will and your way in this place. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. It has been an honor and a privilege uh, to share um, this burden with you. And my prayer for you as you go about your lives this week, my prayer for you is that you would make time to get personal with your God, get personal with those who see you on an everyday basis, and just share the love and the grace of Jesus Christ as he demonstrated to us in the scriptures. May you be blessed as you go. Grace and peace.